Welcome to the Geek Teak Podcast, where we're always green. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. You're always green because it's a mushroom. I am. Yeah. Uh, today, we're talking about evergreen games. Kind of. We're talking about... We're catching up. I know we've talked about this before, but we wanted to talk about like the state of evergreen games in 2018. And this is really brought on by Rob following up from one of our last episodes, where we were talking about rewatching, revisiting, like re-experiencing things. And he was kind of picking our brains about the difference between when we talk about like evergreen games versus talking about these things that we want to like revisit and is there a difference or are they the same so what he was saying that was like in his mind if we say something is evergreen it's the same as a movie that you want to keep going back to like it's familiar and enjoyable and comforting and yeah. i don't treat evergreen games that way and i was kind of wondering if you do it's kind of the same way in my mind it's a little different though because i won't do it with like a lot of single player games with a lot of very long narrative driven games i can't think of a single game like that that i'll just pick up and play i mean maybe when i was a teenager i would do that with my zelda ocarina of time save i would just load it up and play around for a little bit and then you know hop out of it but i can't think of any long form games i guess that i would play like that that i can just you know go play a little bit of final fantasy 15 and then i'm like okay i've played that now it's that's not that just doesn't seem right to me it doesn't have that feel yeah i mean i guess when i'm going back to like re-experience a game it's almost always a game that has like uh, an ending i guess it's something that i yeah. can beat and i can finish and say like i completed this and i'm gonna like set it down and move on to the next thing and those are the games that i tend to like more anyway when i'm just playing games in general whereas evergreen games in my mind are games that have no ending and they, there might be modes with endings to them but there's some kind of mode there's some kind of hook that no matter what you can always put more time into it and you're never gonna beat it you're never gonna finish it it's just always gonna be there so for me like i know a lot of people find comfort there right so so people who play like Dota or leave League of Legends and like that's their main game and they play it every night and they play it with friends and like there's that comfort, there's that familiarity. Um, for me, most of my evergreen games kind of sit on the back burner until I just need something that like takes no brain power because I already know how it works. Um, I'm not one to like really get hooked on the competition or the evergreen like loop for long. I've talked about how I don't like the gear treadmill and MMOs and I'm just not there to compete in like competitive games games i don't want to win or be the best like that's never something that's driven me in video games anyway right. so i go back to them you know more often than not it's because like i just don't have the brain power for something else or i the game that i'm in the middle of would be like a single player game that i'm super invested in and it's not a good podcast game and i want to just zone out and listen to podcasts that's when i'll like go back to the evergreen games and i think for me it's whenever i want something that i can play in and it's going to sound weird that I, but it's kind of the same thing that you said but it's i can play in small bursts and still actually play the game where for me i think the idea the difference in like re, he mentioned revisiting a game and evergreen games like what the difference was and in my mind it's the evergreen being something that no matter what time it is no matter when i go back to that game i play that game i don't experience a part of that game i don't go back and like play final fantasy 15 like i said and do a side quest and then you know that's part of it or do a fight a little bit and uh you know level up it's if i go back to hearthstone or rocket league or overwatch i am playing the complete experience and it is a self-contained kind of episodic thing really it's like watching a sitcom uh, where it's like you go when you have the self-contained story or reading a, a one-off mystery novel or something like that it's that's something that is just very very delineated in what it is and it's not anything like you said it's you know stuff that you can do with podcasts on they're they're not complicated in terms of needing a lot of brain power there but they are very well designed as individual games that i can go back to whenever i want and fully experience yeah, I mean, the list that I threw together of ones that I always kind of keep in the back burner as Evergreen matches the description that you just set for the most part. So like Hearthstone is a big one for me. I always have that there if I want to go back to it. Um, like Fortnite and really competitive shooters in general fit this yeah. mold for me. So like Overwatch, um, like any of the Battlefield games. So like Battlefield 1 that I played the other year. Um, yep. I actually 
picked up Battlefield 1 again this week because I was just looking for podcast games, like games I can just <laughs> listen to a podcast and not really be paying attention to the game. And Battlefield 1 was a perfect fit because I was listening to Blueprint for Armageddon about World War One, and uh, Battlefield 1 was on sale for like the main game plus all of the expansions for $10 in total. Oh, wow. So I grabbed it. And yeah, absolutely yeah, you did. I just like went back to being the medic class and I just kind of like healed people and ran around and shot randomly and I wasn't really paying attention, but it was there. It was something to like do with my hands to like occupy them while I was just listening to a podcast. And yeah. then there's other stuff too, like Star Wars Battlefront, you know, Battlefront 2, that definitely fits the mold, that competitive shooter one. And you know, I have a couple others that are just kind of always there. I always think of Blizzard games in general. I do, and it's weird that that I really go to a lot of my Evergreen games are Blizzard titles, and it's not just because, you know, they're Blizzard and I'm like a fanboy or something. It's just that they make these games that I continually want to go back to for a limited time. Yeah, I mean, Heroes of the Storm is one that always comes to mind for me. Like, right. that's that's a really good example of just an Evergreen game. Every time you play it, like you said... It's kind of self-contained. You can play a whole round, experience the whole thing, and then you can walk away for like a year and just come back to it. Yep, and it's just there. And no matter what, the game may have changed, but you can still play that game where it is, you know, beginning to end, have a full, a full rich experience, whether, you know, whatever that means to you, uh, it, is, it is there and it's done. Or you can continue playing. Like you kind of have this option to do it, like you said, with people having the every night Dota teams and things like that well and it's interesting too because like some of these you go back to and they have certain modes that are more of like the evergreen and then they have other modes that aren't so i was playing a bunch of these games this week which is one of the reasons i wanted to talk about it i actually went back and i was playing like assassin's creed origins not because i like it anymore or not because i want to try to make myself like it it's just that like my mind was thinking about the new assassin's creed game coming out this year that i'm actually excited about like way more excited than i was origins and I was looking for podcast games and I can just mess around in that open world and not put a whole lot of thought into it because right. I'm paying attention to the audio instead. And that was one this week. Um, I gave Warframe a shot and there was, I don't know, I, I've never really gotten hooked on Warframe, but like I know for some people that's a game they could just keep going back to over and over again. And then the other one that like jumped out in my mind that was interesting was Hearthstone. Because if mm -hmm. I'm just going to go and play the main Hearthstone game where you're just competing online against people, it fits this evergreen mold for me. But it has this whole single player like wing of the game and that's my favorite part of the game and i didn't realize they added like two whole new single player i think they're called adventures if i'm remembering right i had since no I idea played. what yeah i mean you've played some of the single player adventures right yeah I've, I've played the uh the ones that come out in packs like uh like whatever the ungoro one is naxxramas all of those where you go boss 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 and get extra cards and then you go into the next wing or whatever like that but that's been the only single player mode i've played except for the brawls or something like that that they had done at one point so they added that like kolbodes and catacombs one which you yeah told yeah me about. i did that i did do the, okay yeah. so there's two new ones after that that i didn't know about until i went back to hearthstone this week as an evergreen game and then i saw these other two so there's like a i keep forgetting what it's called it's like witch hunter or like hunter there's something it's about being in the woods and being a hunter and it's like kind of like an evergreen single player that you can just keep playing over and over um but the other one is a puzzle mode and the puzzle mode was the one where like once i started getting into that i couldn't listen to the audio anymore and it definitely wasn't an evergreen game it was like a finite amount of content that i could finish and it was really cool which is why i wanted to mention it but it's definitely not like that evergreen mold and see for me it's one it's kind of in the middle of that because i'll take mmos like world of warcraft apparently wow is one of my evergreen games because i don't play it all the time but for the last 14 years i've gone back to it periodically when i want to experience that game again and it's usually when there's a full new batch of content out like that that it is you know an expansion pack or a content patch a new dungeon or or something along those lines and I will go and I will fully play through that and experience all of it and then move away and come back but I'm always going back to play because of that base game that I fell in love with it's uh it's like I would go in and Hearthstone was the same way I would go back and I would play it specifically because Naxxramas came out or Kobolds and Catacombs and then I did my stuff on there and I would leave again where it 
it's uh that's still even though there is an end to it like that was what i went for you know it's uh like i still fully experienced that no i get i mean i get what you're saying it's like that's how i treat mmos and expansions and like content packs for them is i will go and then beat the new content and then i'm done because like mm-hmm. in my mind i'll set an end point and then when I reach that, I'm done, which is what happened with like uh, Elder Scrolls Online, right? Yeah. I wanted to beat a certain set of content and then I wanted to hit max level. And the second that I hit max level, I was just like, oh, my time is numbered with this game. I'm probably barely going to play another day or two. And I didn't. You know, I played part of another week and then I was like, well, I've beaten this game. I'm done. I'm moving on. Yeah. But it's interesting because those same games that act like that for me, for other people, that can be their one game that they play for like ever for just mm-hmm. years and years and years because it's an MMO and they fit that evergreen mold. And that and that is what I really like about MMOs in particular. That is one of the things that when I'm in the mood for a game that just continues on and on and on like that, there is really nothing better than Final Fantasy 14, World of Warcraft, ESO, any of those, because there is an entire world of content that you're not going to get through every bit of it ever, or if if you do it's going to be forever until you you get through it all and other games aren't like that that you can do that or you can treat it like you and i do where it can be your one and only because i mean my goodness wow was pretty much the only game i played for a very long time outside of just very small multiplayer jaunts in college and i can't believe i just used the word jaunt in uh, in real conversation and uh, but I, I would go play multiplayer games with my friends and then but the main thing that i did was play wow like that was the game i played well and so it's interesting too because it's not always multiplayer even though i think that multiplayer games tend to fit the mold better because one of my evergreen games is stardew valley and it kind of fits both of the things we're talking yeah, about it does you can beat it like there's you know there are definitely objectives that are kind of leading you through the flow of like quote unquote beating the game but you can just keep playing like the game doesn't actually end even if you see the credits you can play that game forever or you can go start another farm or you can do the multiplayer in it um but all of these things, like, you can just keep planting and building your farm and rebuilding it and constructing it. And, like, Stardew Valley never has to end if you don't want it to. So it's interesting because I mostly just play that as single player. I've never even touched the multiplayer because it's fairly new. But the single player games can also be evergreen. There, Well, there are very few single player games I can think of like that. Like, the, the way that you mentioned Assassin's Creed was how I used to play uh, Zelda. It was like, I'm going in, I'm going to play this game, and then I'm like, okay, I've played it now. And I can't think of a lot of other single player games like Stardew Valley or any of those. Like, even Breath of the Wild and a lot of open world games... Uh, after a while, I haven't gone back to Breath of the Wild, even to finish up all of the shrines or just to explore a little bit more. And I don't know why, because I've wanted to. And I'm like, eh, I played it and I beat it. And it, it just doesn't have that feel like I thought it would once I finished it. I actually Same tried Skyrim this week that. to go back to it um, when I was just looking for like any game to like latch on to yeah. where I could not think too hard because I knew that one really well. And I ran into the same thing. Like, I just couldn't get back into it. I think if I really wanted to get back into that game, I would probably have to buy the DLC and give myself a little bit of new content to work towards beating, and then I would be able to get a hook back into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I figure that's going to be the case with, say, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for me. Like, there's a lot of post content that once you beat the main story, there are a lot of super bosses and things like that that you can go through and collect and beat and just continually play through. But it's going to take the expansion the DLC stuff that they're putting out to really make me go back to any of that. And depending on how they make them interact, uh, we'll see if I do any of the extra stuff. But yeah, I totally I totally get it. Like, I don't want to go back to one of my favorite games that I've ever played because there's just not any new stuff there. Well, so one of the other things I was thinking about uh, for the topic and like where we're sitting in 2018 versus like where we were last time we talked about this, whether that was a year or two years ago at this point, is idle games because they've been around for a while, but they're like way bigger now than they ever have been because they're on mobile devices. And I know that I talked about when I was just like totally brain dead because I was working way too much. Um, Idle games is always something that I can pour just like the littlest bit of effort into and see the numbers go up basically for lack of a better term, right? Like there's progress there being made. 
it's not meaningful progress. I would never recommend these games really to other people, but in little like short few day bursts, they can be perfect for what I need. And almost every idle game falls into the category of an evergreen game that you can never really beat because if you beat it, it like starts over or it like gives you a prestige level, like something you can carry over to the next round when you reset, but it wants you to just keep going forever and ever. So I was playing a couple of those, like I'm transitioning back into a normal workload, but I'm not quite there yet. So there were a few days this week where I was playing Terra Genesis, which is just another idle game that I was picking away <laughs> at. And it was like um, terraforming a planet slowly. So you have all of these different things you can build on the planet and it will like change the levels of oxygen and pressure and water and like all of these things about the planet. And it, you'll get to the point where it'll be like, okay, increasing your pressure by 400 per minute or like three per minute or subtracting oxygen by this amount per minute. And you just have to check back in later, right? But it's never like... Hmm done and completed and that kind of game sounds absolutely terrible for me that there is nothing about that that intrigues me even a little bit that i do not think that idle games would be something i'm i don't like i'm even i don't know that just sounds not fun and i know yeah, that's it's kind of the like, point i don't and sit I, down to like actively play this and be like oh i'm so excited it's like when it's 10 30 at night I've been doing stuff nonstop since 5.30 a.m. when I woke up, and I can finally sit down for the first time, and I need to do, like, something that's just giving me measurable progress for 10 minutes. Like, that's how these games fit into my life. Or I have five minutes for lunch, like, when I'm not eating, and I can actually, like, take five minutes for myself, but I don't have time to take a full hour lunch break. It's like, let's open up this idle game and, like, do something, hit a couple buttons, and, like, see the numbers go up. They're not good like i know they're not good but <laughs> they also are a very particular tool that i can latch on to for short amounts of time i don't think i've ever played any idle game for more than two weeks and that would be at like the longest stretch um generally i will play an idle game for like two to three days and then i'll delete it and never go back to it you know you saying that you say it was the the you being at 10 o'clock at night and needing something uh to do like that that remind that really clicked on why those kind of games don't work for me and that they might have uh like three years ago is because i've worked so hard with my counselor like this goes back to like i think the first episode we did of this where uh i worked so hard to like only do one thing at a time and to try to cut off that kind of hyper stimulation in my brain where it's uh, uh, if I have that five minutes, I purposefully don't do that so that I have that moment of stillness and try to purposefully take that uh, that time to do either nothing or just be there where uh, before that kind of thing, like always having that stimulation would be when I'm, you know, for me, scrolling on Twitter, playing a game like that, even doing something like uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, like I know that you play or or Hearthstone or something, just trying to complete that one more small thing or see if I can get one more hero or whatever would be what I did. And over the last few years, I've worked very hard to move away from needing that because of my addictive personality. And I need it sometimes to take ownership of my day because, right. like, you know how much I've been working. Like, I've been working for a few months now, like close to 70-hour weeks, sometimes very more. Very long I tried, time. Yeah, I tried not to actually calculate how much I was working because I know it was a lot. Um but when you're working that much and then the second I get home, I need to be like on in dad mode and I need mm -hmm. to get the kids fed and make sure they're all taken care of and get them set up for the night and tucked in and like um, just all of the things around the house that need to get done. So a lot of the time it just feels like my time isn't mine because I need to be doing yeah. something from 530 when I wake up until sometimes 1030 at night. And it's like. I need something for myself for even just five minutes just to take ownership of my day because the only other option, if I stopped, like you said, to just take a minute of silence is I would fall asleep. Like if my options are fall asleep or do something for like five or 10 minutes to just like own my day, I'm always going to choose that over sleep. I understand that. I, I can totally see that. Because a lot of times I do fall asleep. Like that is one of the ways that I, I end up coaxing myself to sleep is do that. So I 100% understand when you need the time, you're like, I am not going to sleep to do that. Like I said, they fit a very particular yep. niche sometimes for me. And you know, it's just been a lot lately, but I probably now, because I'm like getting back to a normal workload, probably won't touch them for a very long time. But like, I don't want to end on idle games because... 
probably my favorite evergreen game ever is one that I still actively play a lot. It's a mobile game. And I know I've talked about it before, but it's Card <laughs> Crawl. And it's just like, it's this perfect little five minute round of just like solitaire but it's themed as a dungeon crawl and it's all about balancing like you get cards that come up and they can be monsters they can be equipment they can be like health potions and gold and you're trying to get the highest score by selling things you don't need and like um putting gold in your pack while at the same time keeping enough equipment that you can defeat the monsters that come up without losing all your health but when you play it it plays like solitaire but it's like dungeon themed solitaire and i just i love that game and that's that's something that sounds both interesting and weird to me, and I just haven't picked up to try. It's it's still my favorite mobile game, probably. I mean, Hearthstone is right up there with it for different reasons. But like, yeah. if I'm just going to play one game, like if, if you had to tell me that I had to delete every game off my phone except for one and I can only keep one, it's going to be Card Crawl, without a doubt. And I mean, that's really high praise from you, that that's the kind of thing that everybody who's listening should go get it. I should as well, just because that kind of thing is uh, you have so much, so many games that you're experiencing and playing and go back to that. Well, I, and I shouldn't say that you go back to, but the uh, the good ones that you keep like that, that uh, very high praise that we should all get it. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, and I was thinking through all of this that, you know, we were talking and Rob was talking about, you know, the difference in revisiting and, uh, you know, what we considered the difference between evergreen and revisiting and i was thinking about the same thing for like tv and movies that there are things that i really would consider uh evergreen tv and evergreen movies where i can treat them exactly the same way that i treat the the games that i end up going back to like some tv shows like parks and rec and new girl i can go in and i can watch an episode i can watch 15 minutes of it and i feel like i you know or parks and rec and you know that i've told you about how it's like oh then my friends and it's like i'm hanging out with my friends okay i'm good to go like watching star wars you can go back and at any given time watching star wars it's like you're invested immediately like you jump right in and you feel it and you're just there those kind of movies that's kind of the feeling that evergreen games you know and and evergreen anything but yeah evergreen games in particular that it gives me just that okay i'm fully invested in this it's interesting because you have in here that like you feel as invested as though they were new yeah like I well, I guess when I wrote the, as they're new, it's like as though I'm experiencing them for the first time like that. Whereas like when you fall in love with them, that they're just as exciting on the hundredth time. They're just as engaging, exciting, and emotionally resonant as they would have been when they first grabbed me. Like that first time you watched through Jessica Jones, it's it is you know gave my wife nightmares. Like actually, like months later, she dreamed about Kilgrave, and it's that kind of thing. Like it would be that kind of investment where I get emotionally invested immediately. See, that's interesting because that literally doesn't exist for me. Like I, I can never, ever recapture that first experience of anything of like a game, of a movie, of a book like that just doesn't exist for me at all. So it's interesting that you can do that with certain things. And I'm kind of jealous of you for it. And it, it, it takes certain things like it, it really is a very small percentage of stuff that I can go to with these that that almost childlike wonder Uh because like books don't happen very often like that like when i was a kid a wrinkle in time did i could go back to it at any given time and it was as amazing as it was the first time um most recently i think ready player one is the book that's done that the most to me that it doesn't matter when or how often i've read that book i go back to it and it's immediately i have to know what happens next and i know what happens next but i'm like oh my goodness what's gonna happen to wade and it's like immediately like it I don't know what it is that makes some pieces of literature or media or games that are that just engrossing. Because what happens with Overwatch is like, oh my god, I have to do everything. I have to rank up and get into this immediately. Cool. Well, this was fun. It's always good to like catch up on topics we've talked about before and to like reevaluate in the current yeah. whatever when there's been some time. We might have to go back to personality tests too because that struck a chord unlike anything we've ever done. Like we got the yeah. best listener response ever last week. And the between Slack and Discord, I don't think there was as much on Twitter that I saw, but there may have been that I missed. Uh but I know that Slack and Discord had so many people uh talking about it and telling us and I actually forgot because they were telling us that we needed to do the Harry Potter houses and talk about those as a personality test. 
podcast and I had it written down as a note, an actual handwritten note to do that uh, because my uh, my cousin uh, who did the Enneagram uh, was talking about it with me and uh, I'd written it down and totally forgot about it. But people are talking and we have great discussions on those. Yeah, we might have to circle back around to that. I'm a Slytherin, by the way, just so everybody knows and it's out there. I've, and I actually took the test, and I finally took it, and I am stri- I am a Ravenclaw. Like I'd always said, I'm Jennifer was right. I'm not nice enough to be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> it took me a while to own the fact that I'm a Slytherin, but I'm okay with it now. Um, You're ambitious. That's all it is. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh-huh. Uh, that's probably it for the main topic. Why don't you tell the nice people about Patreon? So we have a Patreon, and we would love for you guys to support the show. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and you know look at what we offer. Uh, you can come join us on Discord and be a patron saint of geekery, and you know that sounds awesome. And so we just check it out. If you love us, uh, give us a dollar. Uh, so you can do that at patreon.com slash geek to geekcast. Perfect. Uh, on the network this week, I actually, they didn't tell me what was on Geektitude, and it's not out yet, so it's a mystery to everybody. It but is. they said that they accidentally started to run a contest, so I'm going to talk <laughs> about that instead. Um, they want listeners to contact them with their ultimate Sinister Six team. So maybe they were talking about Spider-Man this week? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, and then out of nowhere, after that discussion started, Ray Vargas said that he'll draw whichever one was their favorite. So if you send them your picks of your favorite, like Sinister Six or your ultimate Sinister Six, one of you will get a drawing out of that and it's going to be from Ray. So it's going to be fantastic. I'm supposed to tell you, you can listen to the end of episode 126 of the Geekitude podcast and they have all of the information there. And I'll probably have more info about it next week. Um, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea this week. There was a Crazy Rich Asians film review, which... I got to listen to that, but also I want to see the movie. So uh, I don't know. I'll probably just listen. I'm not really worried about spoilers, but I just keep hearing nothing but good things about that movie. It's so good that I really it's one of those that I want to see again in the theater that I didn't think that I would. But I really want to go back and watch it again. Cool. Um, What do you got for a weekly geekery this week? Uh, You're still doing well. I'm still playing World of Warcraft, Uh, but I've start today, actually. um, No, wait, today is Tuesday. Yesterday, uh, I started actually doing Mythic Dungeons. They don't have the Mythic Plus dungeons in, the ones that keep gaining uh, in difficulty every week, but or every time you go through, but... um, I was playing through some mythics. I've been tanking, actually, uh, for the first time in 14 years, which is interesting. I've never tanked. Not one time in WoW have I ever uh, tanked anything more than, like, on a quest, I would, you know, shift into bear form so I didn't die. uh, Or the people around me didn't die. Never have. And it's really fun. So it's going to be interesting as I move forward to see if I am any good at it or if it is something that I need to abandon. Uh, Because right now, where I am as a paladin, it feels like it is way less stressful than being a healer in any expansion I've ever played. It's It's, weird. It's interesting, because I have done every, like, one of the normal roles in um, group finding. So if you guys aren't familiar with it, there's tanking, which is, like, you're the one that soaks up the damage, and usually you, like, set the pace for the dungeon. There's healing, which is exactly what it sounds like, and then there's DPS, which is just trying to do damage to the enemy while the tank distracts them. And I've done every one of those over time. It's... It's interesting to think back to like the times where I enjoyed tanking and did it seriously for a long time in in a row were times that like I did not have a leadership role in my job and the times where it never clicked with me and I just couldn't get into it were the times where I had to be some kind of manager or leader at work and I think that tank role there's something about like setting the pace and kind of being in charge of the flow of the dungeon that when I have to be in charge of things at work, I just don't want to do that with my free time. You know, that make that makes sense, at least for the last little while, why I never did, uh, because I would go in, I would play dungeons. And the reason I'd started playing DPS characters was because I didn't want to have to think anymore and put forth any more effort uh, in terms of other characters than I had to. I could do my job and not really worry about anybody else. Yeah, I mean, and, that's that's perfect when you need to zone out, be DPS. Otherwise, if you want a little bit of like engaging your mind, usually you can be a healer, but then you don't have to be like in charge you just have to keep people alive tank is really like setting the pace knowing where you're going like moving through the dungeon you kind of become the de facto leader of the group whether you want to or not and yeah i don't know that's just the way that it goes from most of the time in most mmos 
And it's super weird thinking about it now because you two hunters did it, that it was always a ranged class like hunter who marked a target. Everybody else CC'd, uh, did crowd control on it in some way to to knock enemies out of the uh, out of the fight for a little while. And then the, they would pull the, the monster or whatever it was back to the tank. And now it's completely changed the, over the years that the tank is the one charging in or pulling something. And it's it's just really really a different landscape than it used to be and i'm enjoying it for what it is right now so we'll see we'll see if it continues that way uh also jennifer and i have started finally watching jessica jones season two like i next week you guys i don't remember which way the the geekery w- it ended up but you may hear me talking about defenders next week uh but we've moved into jessica jones season two after watching the defenders um and i love season two of this that there are so many people i heard that Uh, did not like this that it was nowhere near as good as season one and i can totally see that and it may not be as good as season one but i've heard it that i heard that it was bad because there was no villain and that doesn't mean that there's not a story or or even an antagonizing force in there that did you ever watch this one uh, or all of it or any of it so i tried to and then i ended up skipping until it got interesting and i basically came to the conclusion that you can skip like the first 10 ish episodes and be totally fine See, and I completely disagree because this is a character-based season that I'm about halfway through. I think we may be on episode seven or eight, and there's so much character development going on that I feel that if you skip to the end where the, the there was more narrative plot points that they were trying to hit, that I feel like a lot of what made this season good would be lost. And that's probably why I like it is because I'm such a character guy that I like these characters. I like them as, well, I can't say I really like Jessica as a person, but I like them as people. Uh, uh, I like to see them as as more than just superheroes, and I like the way that they're handling this story. So and and so like so yeah. Um, Jennifer and I also went uh, to the to what a place called Dismal's Canyon this weekend. Like we had to get away. Uh, we took a weekend and we rented a cabin at this place. It's maybe forty five minutes from where we are. You and disappeared I into the woods, and I didn't hear from you for a while. We did. I, I actually tried not to uh, to be on my phone very much. I mean, we only had 3G service in certain parts of the cabin, and the rest of it just didn't work. Um, so, I mean, I was very rarely on anything. I tried to disconnect, and that was exactly what I wanted to do while I was there. And it's a it's a it's not a national park. It's something with the Department of the Interior that it is. Um, a canyon that was uh, that is basically I don't know if it this one's not a microclimate like I'd mentioned but it's kind of a micro ecosystem uh, whatever those are called is I, I don't know the actual term for that one but there is a particular larva that lives there um, that I can't remember what the actual scientific name is but uh, I should have looked it up but it is a glowworm it is a it is a larva that glows and it's a very it's a unique one that is only found in this particular place, this particular canyon in uh, Phil Campbell, Alabama, at Dismal's Canyon. Um, and apparently, they have at peak season like seven to eight thousand of these uh, that are pupating and then uh, moving, then like growing into their adult form, uh, which is some sort of gnat apparently, and it has a one-day lifespan, doesn't even have a mouth, and then dies. But it's the larva that's the actual the actual creature uh and there's like we have like seven or eight thousand of them and then fultonville or fulton something like that north carolina has like a colony of around 15 of these they said but it's like those two places are the only places this particular species lives in the world and it is like you go down into this canyon and it's a, a just a beautiful you know rural not even rural just wooded hiking trail there's there are creeks through it and um you know my dog was just running up cliff faces really and rock faces and just you know being scared of our backyard but apparently has a mountain dog in her and just we were having this wonderful time and there were no mosquitoes at all there was zero like we got no bugs on us nothing no bug bites anything at all and we found out it's because these worms that they they build webs to eat mosquitoes 
And it is like if you messed with this ecosystem, the the biologist was telling us that night when we went to look at the glowworms that we didn't get to actually see much of uh, because it wasn't peak season. They said that uh, it's so if you mess with this at all, the uh, the like they die. Like this is a perfectly crafted uh, place for them that nature did, and um, like you can't even take them out of it. Like if you were try try to take them and just bring them up above the canyon to where they have like the restaurant and the cabins and stuff like that to try to use them as mosquito repellent or something and get a colony up there they die that you can't like uh, they can't be removed apparently and uh, it was it was just super interesting to have something like the world's a weird place man to have that kind of thing just there in yeah. the middle of Alabama no, I love stuff like that just like weird things in the world that are unique to places yeah, and it's like I never knew about this. I'd always heard about Dismal's Canyon. It's just something here, you know, you live here, it's an hour away. You hear people talk about going and hiking there, and then you find out it's like this special unique species of of larva and it's just like that's weird. That's neat, but it's weird. So I lo- like I like you. I love hearing about these kind of places. So if you guys out there have anything like that near you that you know of just this this weird thing, I want to know about it. Like what is absolutely unique, like literally unique to your area. Like I, I would love to know about that. And then this one is a, what I'm geeking out about coming up because tomorrow night as we're recording this like maybe as you guys are listening to this uh if you listen to it as it first uh releases um my friends and i are getting together and doing an online uh like video chat kind of thing for star wars edge of the empire rpg have you heard of this one yeah yeah i know that one for sure it has a well there's a bunch of them that go hand in hand they're all from fantasy flight and they all have you know their own documentation but edge of the empire is the one where you're like uh scoundrels basically Uh like on the edge well edge of the empire but you know you're like um there's one that's core that's like uh jedi there's one that's rebels Uh there's one that's empire is there one more that's Sith? I think there's like four, five, six be. different books, and they're all kind of like interrelated settings, but they all have their unique spin on it, depending on what kind of campaign and what kind of characters you want to make. Yep. And we decided to go with Edge of the Empire because it was, like you said, the scoundrels one with bounty hunters and all of that rather than the Jedi. But you can still be force sensitive and all that. And we're going to play the the pre-made module to learn how to do it that has pre-made characters to basically to see if we like the game. And then we can buy more of it because uh, my friend Austin shelled out for this one and is going to get it for us. And uh, we're going to try it. And so one of the pre-made characters is a sassy healer droid. So I grabbed it and I'm like... Like, yeah, that's going to be me, and uh, it's going to be fun. I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't know if we're going to have any fun doing this, but it's been a long time since I've played a tabletop RPG, and since uh, Barry, my one friend, lives about an hour away, and Austin lives in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, it's like this is how we're going to get together to play it. So they make they Fantasy Flight even has an app for the dice that you don't even have to buy all the dice uh, that you can do it digitally uh, if you want to because it doesn't use normal D20s. That's so, cool. Are you using any system outside of that? Is it like uh, Roll20 or any of those systems? No, it's it's its own unique uh, system for itself. Like it is, okay. it's a self-contained made one, uh, as far as I know. Like once I actually sit down and play it, like I haven't read a lot of the rules or how you GM it. Uh, next week I'll be able to. Well, two weeks from now, uh, given the recording, uh, we'll be able. I'll be able to tell you about it. But it's it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Sweet. No, that's awesome. I want you to report back, especially on the technology aspect, because I want to do some kind of like standing RPG with adults like online at some yeah. point. And there's just so many systems and so many approaches that I'd be interesting to interested to know what you guys land on. Yeah. And I'm, I'm because right now we're not going to use any of the, uh, what are they called? The platforms, I guess, that do the rendering or whatever it is, like give you the tabletop and the grid and yeah, moving that's around. Yeah, twenty is a big one that I was thinking about. Okay, and right like, now I think there's like tabletop game simulator, and there's there's a bunch of different ones out there too. I always think of Roll Twenty. And we're we're not going to try one yet. We're going to see exactly what the game needs before we end up moving further into deciding because we've talked about that. So we're gonna. We're going to see what the game is initially before we figure out how we're going to approach it from that angle. Very cool. Yep. You have to report back because I want to know. Yep. Um, For real. This week, I found a new podcast called Masters of Scale. I guess I've been in like 
business podcast mode. Even Which is though so I've weird been... because I've, I've sent you business podcasts in the past. You're like, I don't want to listen to that. It's work. I didn't. And now that I'm like... <laughs> Uh, something about being like way too deep in work is like no yeah. okay now is the time to listen to these and i don't know why but they've been interesting to me whereas in the past it always felt like work now it feels like i don't know i i think i've just been like at the company i'm at long enough and i've been at like high enough level now where i can actually make meaningful changes so in the past listening to things like this it was always like what can i actually take away from this and act on nothing and now mm. when I listen to business podcasts, it's like, what can I take away from this and act on? A lot. Like, a lot, a lot. So it's really interesting to me. Like, I'm I'm today and tomorrow, I'm actually writing a, a, a an article on the best podcasts for freelancers and the self-employed. And so it's really funny that you have this one on here. So I'm logging in to my, my work account, uh, to the WordPress for work, and I'm writing this down so I can look at it tomorrow uh, as I finish up the article. To, you should uh, add Business Wars also because it's good. But Masters of Scale is the founder of LinkedIn, who is now one of the people who's like a, a VC, like they fund. It's, it's one of those, I just forget what they're called, but um, venture capital basically like yeah. a group of venture capitalists that you know they fund a bunch of startups and stuff so it's him interviewing people that he knows about businesses and scaling and entrepreneurship entrepreneurship mm. whatever the right word is that goes there and it's so fascinating because the people that he knows are like the other founders of eBay that went on to all of these other tech startups. And, you know, he was talking to like the people who founded Google and uh, Mark Zuckerberg. And he talks to other people that like I'd never heard of before with like other it's it's a lot of e-commerce or not even e-commerce, but it's a lot of like Silicon Valley. Honestly, it's not okay. all Silicon Valley, but it's very much like that modern Silicon Valley tech based companies. Yeah. Um, and I listened to the entire backlog this week, and it was just so fascinating to me. And that that sounds fascinating, but also I can see myself listening to a few episodes of it and then not actually do any, like actually listen to all of it. Like I'll bounce off of it pretty quick, but I can see myself finding individual episodes that would be really good. Yeah, well, and a lot of my job right now is figuring out how to scale e-commerce and to keep scaling it. So it's like this fits with what I do so well that I just yeah. latched onto it and I marathoned the whole back catalog. That makes sense. Like how many episodes are there? I'm just curious to uh, to know what you what you marathoned. There were three seasons, but they weren't super long seasons. They were probably 10-ish episodes oh, okay. each, maybe 15. So something so like 30, So this isn't 30, something 45. that's been going like uh, like 300 episodes that you've just been like, oh my goodness, business. No, there was like a year, a year and a half maybe worth of backlog. Yeah. It wasn't anything crazy. That's not um, crazy. No, okay. Yeah, so that was good. And then, like I mentioned, I played a bunch of just podcast games because I wanted to listen to that. And then I was listening to Blueprint for Armageddon, which is still, for my money, the best piece of like world war one anything that exists like if you want to find out about world war one go listen to blueprint for armageddon by dan carlin it's a free podcast and it's amazing um but games and stuff that i did this week i started playing legend of soul guard on mobile and it's really good it's a complete ripoff of might and magic clash of heroes <laughs> did you ever play that game no i didn't Okay, so I, it's a puzzle game. I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not 100%. It's kind of a puzzle game, but not super heavy duty. It's like you have these lines of units and you can like move them around and line them up. So anytime you can like line up three vertically, they'll basically like make an attacking unit. And anytime you line up three horizontally, it'll make like a defensive wall or a defensive structure. And you can like put them into different combinations to make like big characters or small characters or like trigger special abilities. This is a blatant ripoff of that and like iterating on it. Hmm. But the people who own Might and Magic Clash of Heroes have just let that concept set like idle for years and years. I think I played it as like an Xbox Live arcade game on the 360. Like it's been a while. Um, so if a company leaves a good game idea dead in the water, I'm all about like other companies picking it up and running with it. And that's what this is. So I played it a bunch, but it keeps crashing my phone. And like, I, I need a new phone. Like I'm getting to that point. I think I'm going to have to get one here in the next six months because I'm still on an iPhone six and like, it's really showing its age now. I read today that the new iPhones should go on sale September 14th. If the current rumors are to believe be believed. And maybe a release of September 21st, they said? Yeah, I think I'm going to hold out until holiday season, probably. 
Um, and then I probably am way overdue for a new phone. And usually what I do is I'll buy like the top of the line model and put a bunch of extra money into it and then just use that phone until it's almost dead, which is exactly mm. what I did with the six. Like it was cutting edge at the time. It had just come out and now it's lasted me for like four years. It'll probably be like four and a half, almost five by the time I replace it. Yeah. And I remember when you talked about it being new because whatever it was that I was using at the time was not a not anywhere near like maybe i was using a 5c and i was so jealous I yeah was like, well, <sighs> but like you change your phone a lot and i know a lot I of people break that my do phone that. a lot like i just know so many people that like get a new phone every year or like every other year at the very most and mine go as long as i can make them go and i'm just hitting that point with this phone like it's almost done yeah and i like new i like new shinies and i'm actually looking at the new uh iphone x's whatever like maybe the iphone xs or whatever they're going to release the super new big one uh because i may be moving back to iphone because you told me that i would miss iMessage and you were right shut up void <laughs> And, uh, I was right. It's the killer app of the iPhone. Is iMessage? It really is. It, and and I didn't realize. And it's not for anything other than HD video. When Jennifer sends me a video or a friend sends me a video, it's in really grainy MMS video instead of HD because it's not iOS and it's that's dumb. There's a bunch of other stuff with iMessage that I like too. But oh, there is, there is. But it was that one that ki- that was the kicker for okay. me. Okay. Um, so yeah, outside of that and fighting with my phone to make it play a game, I should probably just play it on my iPad, but I don't get my iPad out all that often. Um, we went to Dave and Buster's last weekend and we played the giant claw machine and I showed you our haul, right? Yeah, I'm, I was so jealous because I love cr- claw games. I call them crane games. I love crane games like that and getting that much stuff like y'all were good at this that was fantastic yeah so they had never had the giant one working before and they finally did this time when we went so my daughter went up and played one round and she almost got like one of the things out of it and i was like that was so close i bet if we work together and really line it up we can get it so she tried it again and um you know i went around to the side of it so i could see where it was on like one axis and she stayed in the front where you can control it and she like lined it up in the other axis and then we like confirmed with each other and she got it on the second try and so yeah it was super fun so then we ran over to my wife and my son and we were like look what we got the giant crane game was working we got it on the second try and so my son is like I'm going to do it. And he's, you know, he's the younger one. And we're like, okay. So he walks over and he almost got it on his first try. And then he got it on his second try. And we're like, okay. So we, all four of us just start like working together to line up stuff. And probably out of about 10 attempts total, we got five different giant items and they were mostly giant stuffed animals. One of them was like a giant bouncy rainbow ball, but it was so fun to do. Oh, they're so much fun. I know. Once you figure out how to do them, it's really addictive. I found out that I was good at them when I was 18, and my girlfriend wanted something, wanted this like uh, elephant that was a spring in the middle of it when we were on vacation. So I was like, I'll try. And then I got it. She was like, oh my God, you got it on the first try. And I was like, this is fun. And I uh, learned from that point that I was really good at it and kept trying. And I had a friend in college want me, like dared me, like asked me, like there was this one at this restaurant called The Hearth uh, in Martin, Tennessee. And he was like, BJ, and him, my friend Rory and my friend Luke, they both wanted a toy. And we only had one. He's like, I bet you can't get us two at the same time. And I did. That I got two toys on one claw, and I'll never be able to do it again. But it's like, that's my crowning achievement in my life right now. It's like, nothing else matters. Like, I got two toys on one drop of the crane. So my daughter actually did that with the giant crane. Oh, no! Yeah, it was amazing. She was like, I want that giant gecko, and she tried to get it, and she got the giant gecko and the giant alligator at the same time. And it was... We were freaking out. We were, like, losing it. Yeah. You're like, what? Also, now, you know, not to be morbid or anything, but your daughter can just die happy. Now she's reached the pinnacle this young. Like, it's only downhill from here for her. I'm not going to tell her any of that. Nope, not at all. That we so we played other like a bunch of other games. Um, right. There's a new Rampage game for arcade Whoa, that's based awesome. on the movie. It's a little bit simplified compared to like the Rampage games that you and I played when we were younger. Yeah. But it was still fun to like destroy a city with my daughter. That was pretty cool. And then um 
she and I both played Luigi's Mansion Arcade together and we beat it. So that was something that she wanted to do. And, and she loves Luigi's Mansion, right? She does. She's a huge fan of Luigi's Mansion. So this time when we went in, we started on the middle level out of three because we had played the first and the second level a lot, like the last few times that we've gone. And right. so we started on the middle one and we just beat the whole game. And it was it was she was so happy that we beat it. So I can say that I've actually beaten Luigi's Mansion Arcade now. That's awesome. I'm really excited for you guys. Like, you guys seem to have a really good time there. Yeah, we try not to go too much, but we've been a couple times this summer because it's just so much harder to go during the school year. Um, Yeah. And it's almost time for school for them again. So we had a lot of fun. It was cool. And we, I haven't been to Dave & Buster's a lot, but one time because it's so far away from us. Uh, We don't have one nearby. It's like two and a half hours away from us. But, um... We, uh, Jennifer and I, when we were in Florida last year, we went to an arcade and discovered uh, it was somewhere in Universal, and we discovered how much we loved Fruit Ninja in the arcade. Have you ever played the big? I don't like it on phone or tablet. I never had fun with it. But have you ever played the one on the giant screens that they have in an arcade? Yeah. Yep. There's one of those at our Dave and Buster's. It is too. so much fun. I don't know what it is, but Jennifer and I together just swatting and slashing with all of our fingers. Like it was. We did it for for hours together just like it was so much fun like i i love those things like i I love those adult arcades like that now yeah cool well that's probably it for tonight uh you can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek2geekcast we also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast and we also have great discussions on slack and discord and you can go to discord.geek2geekcast.com or slack.geek2geekcast.com and hang out with all of us. And, uh, you know, like we said earlier, we're part of a podcast network, so go over to geek2geekcast.com and see all of our shows. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's, and I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void Beej with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.